0: views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the hosts and represent no other individual organisation or entity.
1: What a difference a day made 24 little hours What the sun and the flowers Where
0: there used to be rain. Hello, Roger. Hello, Adam. It's a pleasure to be breaking the news with you on this blustery, stormy Sunday evening.
1: It is crazy. The wind's crazy. I've had such a crazy week. I've had interviews at the start of the week. I've been working the second half of the week. It's all come around very quickly. And I didn't even get a chance for a park run. Um, I was working on Saturday. But yeah, I quite like my new job. No park run time to update you on. I just can't believe how my life's changed in literally in a week. It is unbelievable. It's never changed so fast before
0: from one week to having no job to now having one and getting offered overtime. You're doing really well, aren't yeah, you, Adam? Yeah, uh, uh, I
1: know, and I can just not believe it because even at the start of the week, I were attending interviews at the same time. Um, I've had such, yeah, such uh, all-over-the-place week this week. So, yeah, it's great to be breaking the news uh, here with you. Um, I never expected it. I was just speaking to Roger off-air, about how last Sunday morning I was running down towards Halifax. Well, this Sunday morning I was getting a bus down there because I'm getting a bus to Halifax and then a bus from Halifax to Riggos. I was just thinking to myself, this time last week, I would have never known I was going to be doing this.
0: And it is a job that involves potential overtime and different working days sometimes, so that may affect the podcast somewhat. Yes, and
1: that's the reason why we're recording it a day later as well.
0: But we're, everyone's just going to have to live with that. If the listeners do have any complaints, they know what they can do. They can email us at breakthenewspod at gmail.com, but no one ever well,
1: does. Well, uh, me and Roger do have to focus on our own lives as well, so... Uh, we we have put a lot of effort in this podcast for over the last few years, so we'll do our best see what happens. But yeah, we might be recording it. We might miss a few weeks. Who knows? But yeah, we're going to do our best.
0: And we do it because we love it and enjoy it. And it's just an excuse for the pair of us to get together every week and have a chat, really, isn't it, Adam?
1: <laughs> More or less, yes. Uh, we usually just chat about the news and we've made some time. Although we do still try and edit I uh, know I don't think any of us particularly like editing, do we, but it's got to be done.
0: So, if I'm in the right frame of mind, I like a nice um editing session that I've got to... It's
1: time-consuming, though, isn't it? That's the thing.
0: Yeah, but sometimes it's nice to just sit and concentrate on something that you know you can do
1: well. To be honest with you, I find anything that requires work doing is just a general chore. to be honest. Editing's, um it's something that I can... Uh, do although well, it can become awkward at times for example uh, if we mess up we have to re-record or if you're adding something else in it can become awkward but generally it's just a relaxing thing
0: that's why we do this and keep on doing it because at the base level we enjoy it we were hoping to meet together in person today but sure has put pair to that If there is any wind noise in the background here because of either of their microphones picking it up, then sorry for that, but can't be helped. It's not that bad here at the moment, but my wife is worried about power cuts and didn't want me to go out driving, so I've stayed in.
1: That is absolutely fine, but if you'd like to send us an email, I think we may have already done this. It's breakthenewspod at gmail.com.
0: What I haven't done is set the date, you might have been able to work it out when I said it's Stormy Shed tonight, but it's the 21st of January 2024, for those of you who really want to know.
1: yep, it is. The main news this week, and I think there has been quite a lot of news, I haven't really followed it in as much depth as maybe what I would have usually done, because I've been busy, I've been focusing on working out what I was doing with my careers, my jobs, and actually working as well at the end of the week.
0: I think there has been news this week, but a lot of it has just been chapters in all the usual stuff. Rwanda plods on and there's vote. The, yeah, wars, the that, wars around the world plod on.
1: That's what I was thinking. I know too. there has been news, but like I said, I probably may have made the podcast a little bit better if I hadn't been as busy, but I must have, probably been on more buses than I ever have in my um, in, a, in a whole week this week, I reckon. Been going on them pretty much every day, I believe. We're just going to crack on and get on with the podcast and see what happens. So Immigration Minister Michael Tomlinson and Tom Persglove revealed in a letter to a, the Parliamentary Committee that 5,598 asylum seekers were unaccounted for in the UK. They assured the Home Affairs Committee that the Home Office was actively working to re-establish contact with them. Richie Sunak has prioritised reducing illegal migration and addressing the asylum backlog. In early January, the government disclosed that approximately... 17,000 asylum applications had been withdrawn, indicating a quadrupling of the withdrawal rate in a year. Critics speculated that this reflected efforts to expedite the asylum backlog. Shadow Home Secretary Yvette Cooper criticised the revelation characterising it as a staggering admission of the home office losing track of nearly 6,000 asylum seekers. Contrary to previous suggestions, Tom the and Michael Tomlinson clarified that 3,144 of the 17,000 had left the UK. Two thousand six hundred and forty three had obtained lawful immigration status after initial rejection, and five thousand nine hundred and thirty one were still under investigation. This left five thousand five hundred and ninety eight unaccounted for. The ministers detailed the home offices' dedication track tracing capability collaborating with various agencies to locate absconders. They explained that individuals out of contact might re-engage voluntarily or be identified through encounters with law enforcement. Richie Sunak claimed at the beginning of the year that the government had cleared the asylum seeker backlog, but the UK Statistics Authority criticised this assertion warning of potential impacts on public trust. Meanwhile, Sunak's Rwanda bill, aimed at sending illegal arrivals to Rwanda, advanced in the Commons, with the House of Lords set to vote on it. A former Tory leader in the upper chamber predicted potential delays in the legislative process. What do you make of this, Roger?
0: Well, there's always delays in the legislative process, so I can certainly agree with um, that minister on that opinion.
1: But uh, as migrants go missing, should this be allowed to happen?
0: It isn't allowed to happen, but it does happen because of incompetence, and to be honest, it doesn't surprise me that the incompetence in the immigration system is there.
1: Migrants are going to escape if they've got other plans when entering the UK, aren't they? Yeah, and
0: it's going to lead to crime, sadly.
1: Once they've gone out of the home office's system, um, they're not going to be found very easily, if found at all.
0: There was a quote there where they were placing their hope in the police, finding them and catching them, but they won't draw the police's attention until they've committed some sort of crime.
1: Yeah, and they're probably committing loads of crimes in the back black market within the UK.
0: Well, they're not going to be able to get a legal job while they're in hiding, are they?
1: No, so that is very, very worrying and um, it shows just how big the scale is of the black economy in the UK.
0: And it's a shame for them, really, that they can't go through the system and come here legally and seek legal and gainful employment and become an asset to
1: us yeah but what's interesting is the uk appears to have done this and very very silently as well so channel migrants including those arriving in small boats have quite quietly gained the right to work in sectors such as care construction and agriculture while retaining access to state subsidized accommodations around 16,000 asylum seekers allowed to work in recognised staff shortage occupations and 80% of the standard pay rate critics, including Nigel Farage and Tory MPs, argue that the scheme may attract more illegal migrants. Richard Sunak's Rwanda bill aims to expedite deportation flights, FOI, data from the telegraph reveals a significant increase in working asylum seekers due to a backlog and a surge in channel crossings critics question the government's commitment to stopping illegal boat crossings while others debate the economic and practical benefits of allowing asylum seekers To work legally, the scheme originating from a 2005 EU law permits work after a year and some suggest the government should explore allowing work even earlier. Government sources deny the scheme acting as a pull factor and highlight efforts to clear the backlog. Uh, What do you make of this? So the government have changed the rules without even announcing it. Um, It ended up getting found out through a Freedom of Information request. So they're now going to be working in um, sectors which require a lot of responsibility, like care. What do you think about this? Do you trust this at all?
0: No, we've discussed here on the podcast the consequences that can happen when people who are not qualified for the job that they're doing end up in that position and... I blame the employers most of all, to be honest. But
1: but care's a very responsible sector, isn't it?
0: It's a sector where you've got a lot of responsibility if you're working in it, yeah. And we should have good people doing that with expertise, as we discussed a a couple of weeks ago uh, with that poor old old lady who ended up dead at the bottom of a stairlift. I agree.
1: So, yeah, it's not good news that really, is it?
0: Genuine asylum seekers, I have no problem with giving them asylum and even giving them a chance to work. However, nobody should be placed in a job that they are not qualified to do.
1: Yeah, it appears that maybe they like to get cheap labour out of these migrants rather than send them back or send them to uh, Rwanda.
0: Sadly, especially in the case of care, it costs human lives. It also brings down the reputation of their sectors and brings down the reputation of um migrants and asylum seekers
1: it certainly does yes um it's not good news and do you think the uh conservatives are doing a very good job at handling this issue no absolutely
0: not and, and do you think
1: to... labor would be
0: better or worse probably worse actually
1: it do not look like the country's got a good future does it
0: no there's no strong really strong political will to do anything about this because first of all governments don't want to appear racist which is fair enough racism is is a bad thing but also they have so many business interests of their own and they get benefits from that cheap labor themselves
1: they're worried that um just being seen to be racist is going to even when uh, some people think might think that they're being racist, whereas other people might think that they're not. It seems to be a very toxic debate, doesn't it?
0: It can be, yeah, because I think people get very extreme on either side of it.
1: You we know, it's in Germany there's a party called the AFD and there's been mass protests against them, but the support in the opinion polls is actually rising amongst the silent majority whereas the other parties in Parliament are talking about banning them. That just shows just how divisive German politics have got. They're much more divisive than the UK's. Extreme on both ends,
0: and to be honest, looking at countries like Germany and the USA later on this year, it's probably a taster of what we're going to get here.
1: We've already seen this division on our streets, maybe not to the extent of that, but with the Israel and Gaza conflict's playing out. I'm
0: hoping that eventually cool heads prevail, logic wins and
1: peace does come. I'm not sure sure that's going to happen though, are you?
0: We have to have faith in it, otherwise the world is going to be a very depressing place.
1: Yes, um, but I'm not sure that's going to happen happen um, especially with all the wars you can see it's not working that's why people are starting to actually admit now that multiculturalism has failed
0: it would be a shame if it did but I, i think everyone is entitled to have their own culture and celebrate their own culture and i can't see any reasons why cultures can't get on with each other either at the same time
1: no, but cultures are often deeply rooted within traditions, though, aren't Um It makes getting out of that culture very, very, very tricky, and that's why they can't merge, and it often causes conflict, because every culture wants things to be done the same way that uh, their culture is done.
0: And people are just getting more and more extreme in their opinions and more and more stubborn. Um, mm-hmm. It seems people change their minds less and less these days rather than... Um, looking at all of the facts and evidence.
1: I'm not sure sure, if that's the case, that's true, because the opinions polls show that there's been a massive shift from Conservative to Labour since the 2019 general election, don't they?
0: That's true, but there are still plenty of people who just vote for their same old party.
1: What are you saying, That, that, that people just vote Conservative or vote Labour just because they've always voted for them?
0: Or they won't, just won't bother to vote at all.
1: But I think the reason why people will always just vote for the same party is because they know that voting for any sideline party, any minor party, is just going to split the vote. So they'll just automatically vote for one of the main two parties, which is why the main two parties don't seem to be falling really below 20% in the polls because they'll always have some cure, uh, core as you see.
0: And to be honest in this time of worldwide instability it feels like so many wars and that going on maybe we need a strong and stable government so maybe some of us are going to have to be more lenient on our principles and you know um, hold their nose and vote for a party we don't wholly agree with
1: but are the two main parties uh, stable can you actually trust the two main parties that's the question no but they're the best we got
0: what a but, depressing thought. It's nearly as bad as America, where the best they... Well, I, 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 don't, I,
1: don't, I disagree with you there. I don't think Labour's. Lermers- um, a safe party, but anyway, like I said, that's my political view and that shows just how polarised that I am.
0: And I think if you want evidence of how safe the Conservative Party have been, just look back on the results of the last 14 years and see where we are now. Sadly, I haven't got any more cheerful news next and it's more of a case of potential incompetence, although I don't think speculation is a good idea. I kind of agree with the instigator of this article who says that the deaths of two-year-old Bronson Battersby and his father Kenneth in Skegness have prompted a call from Lincolnshire's police and crime commissioner Mark Jones to avoid speculation. Bronson is believed to have starved to death after his father suffered a heart attack. A rapid review into the involvement of social services is underway and the police watchdog is investigating potential missed opportunities in checking on the family. Jones emphasised that ongoing investigations do not imply wrongdoing and urged against speculation, emphasising the need for a thorough and proper examination of the tragic incident. So I'm definitely not going to join in the speculation here but I do have some thoughts about it. Here's a timeline of what we know has happened. So on the 27th of December, a social worker had contact with Mr Battersby, the dad, and arranged a home visit. On the 2nd of January, the social worker arrived at the property but had no response at the door. The social worker tried to locate Bronson at other addresses and, unable to find him, speaks to her manager and the police. Two days later, a second attempt at a home visit was made and again there was no response... And again, the social worker informed police. And then on the 9th of January, so that's nearly two weeks since the initial contact and one week since the initial visit, a third attempt was made and the social worker alerts Mr Battersby's landlady. Entry is gained and the bodies of both the father and the son are found. And I think it's just so dismaying that this little lad was left there. What do you think, Adam?
1: It's clear there's something wrong if they weren't answering the door, but like, then again, I guess um, they may not have thought it were that bad because, like I said, the um, people can be out as well. People not always in the houses all the time, but, yeah, yeah, I think it shows incompetence more than anything.
0: And I think it shows a problem in society that mm-hmm. this little kid had just his dad and and that was it and there was no-one else looking out for them enough to to check on them sooner i mean an effort was made but that effort wasn't enough
1: yeah and we've seen issues with children's services in Bradford, and yeah um it seems to be happening up and down across the country doesn't it and it's such a shame that on the
0: 2nd of january when there was that initial no response um Services weren't like a dog with a bone and not giving up until they saw this kid. Certainly as someone who works with children, I would be very concerned if I didn't know where a child was. And I know this this kid was two, so not in the education system yet. But what an indictment on society that no one else, apart from the social worker, was looking out for this kid.
1: Yes, but it honestly doesn't surprise me, unfortunately
0: and that's such a shame, and I think there's lessons to be learned from it. So I'm going to follow Mark Jones's advice and not speculate too much about what happened, but um, I'm going to follow this and try to find out what's happened and if there is any lessons to be learned from it, because um, it might help me in my job looking after young people as well. Yes,
1: and you have many experiences... It's
0: better times for the likes of Centrica's CEO, Chris O'Shea. This is another area that I'm passionate about, the greed and money-making of our Mm. energy company friends. (laughs) You know I, I seek out chances to bang on about this, Adam, because Chris O'Shea, in a quite baffling interview for me acknowledged the impossibility of justifying his 4.5 million pay in 2022 he described the package which includes salary bonus and shares as a substantial amount and recognizes the challenges faced by customers struggling with energy bills O'Shea, who declined a one point one million pound bonus in twenty twenty one, acknowledged the disparity between his salary and the financial difficulties of customers. The CEO emphasised that he doesn't set his own pay and noted the remuneration committee determines it. Centrica's profits for twenty twenty two reached three point three billion. Billion pounds, with O'Shea citing the retail arm of British Gas contributing £150 million pounds to the figure. I find this absolutely unbelievable, Adam. I find it absolutely unbelievable that these energy scumbags keep turning round and saying, we can't believe how much money we're making. We just can't help it. It's beyond our control. What do you think?
1: What I, 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 I can't understand is why they're paying the CEOs so, so much money if they're not determining their own wages. How, why are they getting such big pay rises?
0: And even the CEOs are saying, we don't want it. But they're taking it anyway, aren't they?
1: Well, a lot of the time they do, yes. Um, so it's a... I think the CEOs have, uh, often have the highest shareholders in the company. So, obviously, it's the system's often rigged, so they often vote for these high pay rises.
0: So, surely, it's a slam dunk. It's an open goal for the government. Tax them, tax them, tax them.
1: T- <laughs> well, maybe you be right, but then, they'll, then they might be more likely to focus on other countries and not invest in the UK as much.
0: Do you know what the most expensive thing you will ever pay for in your life is, Adam? Energy. Nope. Housing? Nope. It's your government. More than half of everything the average person earns in this country goes on tax. And even that isn't spent the way that you want it to be spent.
1: That is true. Um, Yeah, you do end up paying a lot of tax in your lifetime. So... Uh, If you're on low incomes, you often pay very little tax and you often get benefits. So you're not actually that much... um, going in but yeah um, the, there is inflation which I suppose is a tax as well isn't it because of the printed money
0: Yep. so instead of getting all this tax from the likes of you and me who are working our backsides off to earn it why not take some more off guys like this who they themselves say they're making too much
1: yeah I agree um, yeah there, there is a, an issue there isn't there what do they do, do they doing during the day I'd love to be a CEO because they they don't actually work an awful lot and they they could probably do their other things as well, their other activities and fit them all around the work.
0: Well, I am prepared to believe that CEOs are very valuable and they probably work very hard and they probably have extremely high levels of expertise. But four and a half million a year, really?
1: Yeah, I was just thinking if I could be a CEO, I'd still be able to do lots of running as well but like i say unfortunately i'm probably never gonna become a ceo never
0: say never adam I, no. you've seen how much changed this week for you uh, you never know what next week could bring
1: that is true definitely true what a difference a week makes uh, people usually say what a difference a month makes but what a difference a week makes and
0: even more can
1: happen in a year I'm now going to swiftly move on because the UK is grappling with a significant health crisis marked by a surge in back and neck problems fuelled by a sedentary lifestyle, obesity and ageing population and the rise in remote work. Nearly a million people are unable to work due to these ailments, posing at threat to workforce expansion and economic growth. The welfare bill for back problems has tripled to 1.4 billion annually, rising by over a quarter since the pandemic. The exponential growth in back and neck issues influenced by unhealthy lifestyles and shifts in work patterns is escalating rapidly due to limited access to treatment. Despite the potential for improvement with prompt physiotherapy, the NHS faces a shortage of staff, leaving patients on long waiting lists, some in severe pain, developing additional health conditions. And I just want to add, the waiting lists are starting to come down now, so there is some good news there that the Guardian haven't added. So the severity of the crisis is evident, as people resort to A&E units for back or neck pain due to a lack of alternatives. Professor Camilla Hawthorne, chair of the Royal College of GPs, expresses concern about the widespread impact of back pain affecting millions and hindering everyday tasks. The latest statistics show a rise to 2.9 million people with back or neck problems contributing to nearly a million being economically inactive. The Office for National Statistics attributes the increase to factors like an ageing population, changing work practices during the pandemic and the prolonged impact of baby boomers. Contributing factors include people working longer, living with multiple chronic conditions, the link between lower back pain and obesity and delayed treatment-seeking. Physiotherapists note the influx of individuals with chronic back pain, exciting sedentary behaviour, improper home setups for remote work, stress and physically demanding jobs as factors, long waiting lists for support, exacerbates the problem with nearly 310,000 patients awaiting muscular skeletal services. The impact of untreated back pain on individuals, the NHS, and the economy is evident, prompting a call for urgent recruitment of more physiotherapy. Staff government spending on back problems through disability benefits has tripled in the past two decades, reaching one point four billion in 2022 to 2023. Experts emphasize the interconnectedness of physical and mental health and stress, and the need for holistic strategies by employers to prevent muscular skeletal injuries. Concerns are raised about the long NHS waiting times exacerbating the situation, calling for immediate support and flexible working options for current NHS staff. What do you think of this, Roger?
0: In our rush to have more and more working from home, it's a shame that employers and employees and the government and the health agencies have missed the opportunity to give people advice on how to work at home safely and not be so sedentary.
1: Yes. Um it doesn't seem to have been a big priority, does it?
0: No. Once again the workers given the least consideration. But I think people should take some individual responsibility as well. It should be quite common sense to know that, you know, you should walk your backside around the block a couple of times every day.
1: Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest.
0: And It can't do your mental health much good to be stuck in all of the time. Also, we have a health service that are struggling a great deal with backlogs and treatments anyway. People are struggling to see GPs, so if you've got a little bit of a twinge in your back, you're probably not going to see a GP for a quick treatment. You're going to see the GP once you're in absolute agony and then it's going to take even longer to treat, so it's less
1: effective. When it's less effective, it's also more time-consuming as well. It takes longer to recover, putting more pressure on them.
0: It's a very self-perpetuating problem, and unfortunately, there's no quick fix, really. This is something that you have to advise people with from childhood, with their lifestyles, to make sure that they're being active and looking after their bodies.
1: Yeah, it appears, uh, yeah, definitely...
0: I always remember when I was um, 18 and first going into the classroom and helping young people, to be on the kids' level, I used to always sit down um, on the floor on my knees and a mentor of mine very quickly said to me, ''Roger, avoid going on your knees.'' He said, ''I know right now it feels fine.'' But in 20, 30 years time, after you've had a long career in education, you will thank me when you still have your knees. Since then, I've always been very mindful of only going on my knees when I need to. And thankfully, I've still got my knees. But I know some other educators my age who are having trouble with that. So just a few words of advice can make a big difference.
1: Yes, and I think it's all about yeah doing different things as well, um not doing the same thing if you're doing the same too much of one thing is bound to cause harm,
0: yeah, that's true. unfortunately, I've never worked in a job where I've been doing the exactly the same thing over and over and over again each day.
1: sometimes changing jobs quite a lot could actually be a good thing,
0: and another thing that doesn't help though is people's lifestyle though now because. People do like to spend a lot of time on their phones, on their gadgets and playing video games as well. With the subject of video games, a study published in the British Medical Journal of Public Health reveals that individuals who play video games may be at risk of damaging their hearing due to prolonged exposure to unsafe sound levels. Now this is of interest to me and you Adam because you and me... Love hearing and listening to things, and we love video games. I'm loving Hogwarts Legacy at the minute, I've got to say. The review of 14 studies involving over 50,000 participants suggests that gamers often play with the volume turned up beyond safe limits, potentially leading to irreversible hearing loss or tinnitus. The research emphasises the need for public health efforts to raise awareness similar to campaigns for live music and headphones. While players could reduce volume levels, the study notes that the duration of exposure contributes to the problem. The World Health Organisation recommends safe exposure limits, and the study indicates that gaming may pose a common source of unsafe listening. The authors propose interventions such as educational initiatives to promote safe listening among gamers. The study acknowledges the need for further research on the impact of esports, demographics and geographic regions the gaming industry body yuki encourages headphone use within safe levels but did not comment specifically on the new study and i think there's one group who have managed to avoid blame in this article but first i want to know what you think
1: adam i think it's quite true you often hear like a lot of shooting games they can have they have a lot of noise people often have headphones in, especially young people now to avoid uh, others knowing what they're doing online, um, and they often have it at quite loud levels, because I've heard it out of other headphones. Luckily, I do often wear headphones very often, although I did, actually, when I was at a community radio station, um, I did often do it with editing, and I believe that may have damaged my hearing a bit That, But in terms of video games, I've not really played an awful lot of video games that have made a lot of noise, and I used to have it on quite quiet anyway. I played Minecraft a lot, so I don't think this has been too bad on me, to be honest.
0: I am getting worried about my hearing as I get older, because... I am starting to find it harder to hear some things. I'm especially finding it harder to distinguish noises in a crowd. I don't know if video games are specifically to blame, but I do have headphones in a lot because I listen to a lot of stuff and maybe sometimes I do have the volume up too high because I want to hear what I've got. But in terms of video games, one group who I... Think need some blame here is actually the video game designers because in a lot of games they actually incentivize having the volume up high and hearing sounds. For example, Adam, in the shooting games you mentioned, especially like when you're playing multiplayer or online, you can hear where your opponent's shooting from if you have your volume up high and with surround sound, or you can hear someone's footprints if you have your volume up high enough.
1: That's another thing. I never even thought about the footprints. You have just mentioned something that when I was on Minecraft, I was always uh, walking around and stuff. So that's clearly what I've done my hearing any good because of the duration of it.
0: Even in Hogwarts Legacy, the game I'm playing right now, there's a spell that when you cast, it lets out a little chime if there's treasure and you can tell where the treasure is based on the noise direction of that chime. So, that incentivizes you to turn your headphones up so you can hear it. And that's probably part of the problem because people do spend hours and hours and hours on these games. So, video game designers definitely need some of the blame here. I got
1: to remember this modern technology, like listening to music in headphones, uh, video games. A long time ago, humans wouldn't have been doing this. So we've quickly changed our lifestyle over uh, recent decades. So there's this bound to be an effect because we just don't have time to adapt to it.
0: I keep getting ear infections because I keep falling asleep with my headphones in. So I keep having to take um, ibuprofen and, and drops for the...
1: That, 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 that surely probably won't be doing your hearing any good either because it'll be constant noise through the... From the headphones, I think you're right. I don't think it's just video games, but I think there are a lot of issues with regards to headphones...
0: So a lesson to everyone there, look after your ears. If you will permit me, Adam, I do just want to throw in one extra little piece of news on this week's podcast.
1: Go on then, yeah.
0: Because it, it enraged me a little bit and has something to do with one of my predictions. And it's Bradford Live, the new small arena that they're building in Bradford. I mentioned it in my predictions. Just after our last podcast went out, they finally announced the first acts at Bradford Live. And remember how I said I was worried they weren't going to attract big bands and big acts? Well, let me tell you, the first act to perform at Bradford Live will be an ABBA tribute band. Not the real ABBA, who are still going and gigging. Nope, a tribute band. Just like they have at St George's Hall, or that they used to have at the Cedar Court Hotel near me. The kind of thing you can see in any city, any town, on any Friday or Saturday night. It's absolutely pathetic.
1: Yep. If they can't attract the actual bands, it shows just how much the state the city is in.
0: There's nothing wrong with a good ABBA tribute band, No problem. But you would think that they would want something absolutely incredible. Because meanwhile, Blondie, who's like an 80s icon, has um, announced a second day at the Peace Hall in Halifax because that venue was sold out for her and that's been so successful. And it's a shame that Bradford shows no sign of showing that success. The so-called city of culture in 2025. The interchange is still shut as well.
1: Yeah, it is, and as we talked last week, they still haven't told us the reason behind that.
0: Apparently it's going to be shut until March, so commuting to is going to be a lot of fun for anyone who has to do Well, that. it
1: is, because people used to, through the winter, people like to wait in the interchange where it's warm and dry. Well, they can't do that now.
0: And as for shopping in Bradford, forget it. Get yourself to Leeds or Halifax.
1: That's what people seem to be doing, and um, with the interchange being closed, people are not going. That's going to make people even less likely to want to go there if they're travelling on public transport.
0: Twenty twenty five needs to be a miraculously successful culture year for Bradford because I've already written off twenty twenty four.
1: Yeah, but it's not going to be very good in Bradford. I don't think in 2024 we've got roadworks. We've now got the interchange closed. What more can go wrong? Well, the council's bankrupt, so I think it's very, very near. before it actually officially does announce the Section 114, they've made loads and loads of cuts to try and avoid it. But, yeah, it looks like it's unavoidable with the way they're going about things.
0: Well, locally, nationally, and with healthcare, we've put the world to rights this Sunday night, haven't we, Adam?
1: Well, we've tried. Not sure so we've achieved it, though.
0: No, but we've done what we can, and at least we've weathered the storm tonight.
1: Yep, we certainly have. And thank you for listening to this Podcast, like I say, um we're gonna try and do this but there's no guarantee that we're gonna be able to do it each week and like I said, we'll probably record it on different days as and when, but we'll do our best and thank you for listening this evening. I better get some sleep now. If you can email us at the at gmail dot com, that would be great. And also we would love to hear from you and be sure to share it with your family and friends
0: do it. Take the agenda, take control. If you want to have some sort of input on what you'd like me and Adam to talk about, we'd love to hear from you, and thank you for using your valuable hearing and ears to listen to us, and I hope you've weathered Stormisha safely, and thank you to everyone, especially you, Adam, because I know your time is more valuable than ever these days.
1: Cheers to be. i before, I was always talking about, oh, I've got too much time, man. it's quickly gone to not enough time it's just amazing just how much uh, difference a week can make i never known it to make such a big difference to my life well I have temporary but not permanent so yeah
0: it's the work life hobby balance and we all work it out in our own way
1: I'll just have to keep it um, and work out yeah decide what I'm doing until so I get used to things things might be a little bit different but I'll do my best
0: take care everyone especially you Adam Hi. bye 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 <music>